This is a War Machine Rhino. What's up? This is TJP. This is the Swingman Johnny Swinger. This is Father James Mitchell. And you're listening to Total Nonstop Analysis. Total Nonstop Analysis. Total Nonstop Analysis. Total Nonstop Analysis, Daddy. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Total Nonstop Analysis. I'm your host, Carmen Michael, joined always by my fabulous co-hosts, KP and Davis. And today, we have a, a special guest, an illustrious, magical, wonderful guest. Today's guest is a man who honestly needs no introduction, but by God, I'm going to give him one anyway. He's beloved by many You may know him as your weekly reminder that Tuesdays belong to New South Wrestling's Action Clash on the award-winning IWTV network. He's the owner and sole proprietor of Big Dave Security and Management, or BDSM for short. And a man much like Bigfoot, I wasn't so sure actually existed until recently. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Big Dave to the podcast. How you doing, Big Dave? Oh man, wow, Carmen, that was that was quite the introduction. I am, as far as I know, I'm real, and uh, and to the TNA analysis viewers and universe, I'm within you, and I'm doing good. Uh, how is everyone else doing? I'm doing wonderful. I'm very happy to have Big Dave on the podcast. I too thought Big Dave, Big Dave was a thing of myth. Carmen used to tell me stories, and I was like, "Nah, there's no way this guy's real." And then, then I saw you, and I was like, "Whoa!" That is that is sometimes what I hear about myself. I guess my <laughs> reputation my reputation precedes me, and then and then I feel like sometimes it might like over precede itself if that's a thing. And then like someone meets me, and they're like, "Oh, is it, who's this guy?" It's just it's just Big Dave, man. I'm still stuck on this thing about Big Dave being in us. I'm like, what? Yeah, BDSM <laughs> is in us all. BDS, mm. BDSM is in you tonight at the very least. I mean, if I ever need security at my event, I'm going to call BDSM. If you ever need anything secured or managed, I've been doing it since uh, 99, dude. So It's true. BDSM will tie up anyone who gives you problems. I should have, man. I, I wish I would have known you whenever I was booking shows. Hey, I would have, I would have, I would have secured them. <laughs> what do you say we secure this review? Go hey, ahead and I'm get gonna, started, Big Dave. Hey. I guess you could, you could say we could put this review on lockdown. Hey, we could. Ooh, I you like could it. Say this event was secured. And I'm right. out. See y'all. Hey, yeah, we can stop there. We're done, dude. Wrap it up. We have peaked already. It was a good night. (laughs) As you heard, we are covering TNA Lockdown 2005, the first ever all-steel cage pay-per-view in the history of professional wrestling. And by God, we're going to decide whether or not it was a good idea or if it was the worst thing to ever happen. And I'm excited about it. So the show kicks off with a video package with a creepy version of Ring Around the Rosie. A female voiceover declares that the six sides of steel devours the souls of men, and if it could speak, it would say get out. It will forever alter lives, and no matter who wins or loses, 
everyone who enters will be less of a man when they leave. May God have mercy on their souls. So now I have to ask, how hard was your dick during that, Prescott? As the uh, resident horror fanatic, I was immediately excited about this pay-per-view just from the opening. I really thought that was going somewhere very different. And I'm like, it's just a female voiceover, dude. Calm down. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. You know, this is like right up my alley. This is like horror, horror horror-ish opening package. I loved it. Now, did did I, did my eyes perceive me or, or did Raven try and mock Undertaker? In that opening video package, like I swear he was doing the Undertaker eyes. I don't think your eyes deceived you at all. <laughs> he, he very he very well probably was. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm scared I'm scared very easily. Uh, I am large, but I am very afraid. Uh, so I was very terrified during the opening video package. Uh, I also want to say they referred to it as the most violent night in TNA history. Uh, not true. That was the the Sting Jeff Hardy match. That was the most violent night in TNA history. But that had, that hadn't happened yet. Give it time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh wait, yeah, I'm getting my timeline out of order here. Fuck, yeah, you're, you're I, I, I just the Dave. Like four years into advance, I gotta remember. <laughs> oh, it was a lot longer than that. It was a lot longer, like seven years. Dude, Jesus, <laughs> I have no, I have no clue where we're at. That's why we love having time is, time is a flat circle. <laughs> time is non-existent to Dave. So after this, vibes. we cut to ringside. Mike Tanay and Don West, they're vibing. They kick off the show and run down the card for the historical first time ever pay-per-view. They announce that Kevin Nash is medically unfit to compete thanks to a staph infection. And a replacement will be made. I wonder who it could be. He gladly showed the staph infection. Oh, yeah. He was all about it. He's like, look, I got a cool Band-Aid and everything. Whenever whenever they announced this, my notes, I just put, of course he is. Because it's Kevin Nash on a TNA pay-per-view. Of course he's going to find a way out. (laughs) Hey, I warned you last week. Don't play. I was watching this in the living room. My girlfriend uh, saw it. She goes, ew, why are they showing that? Like, I don't know. Wrestling, that's what they do. Yeah. Kevin Nash, man. He's, gonna, he's not going to be there, but he'll, he'll get that spot. And then we have our first match of the evening. Chris Candido and Lance Hoyt taking on the team of Apollo and Sonny Siaki, who come out to a generic version of Smooth by Santana. So I was a fan of that. I was also a fan of the cameraman entering the cage <laughs> wearing a helmet and body armor looking like he's about to go to paintball practice or something. It was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever seen in my life. This guy was in full battle gear. Oh, he was he's ready the, to go. He's in the ring with Lance Hoyt. You got to be careful. That's very true. Very I'm surprised true. he didn't have like a some sort of police baton with him or something. Some sort of weapon. Some, some kind of control, man. <laughs> Can you imagine how, how intimidating that was for them to be in the ring and see this big, this guy in full fucking armor with a camera just in the <laughs> ring? See, he wouldn't need that. He wouldn't need the armor if he had BDSM. That's all exactly. I'm sure. Exactly. Just imagine the camera guy with, with six, uh, six individuals surrounding him, you know? Exactly. Think about how, think about how, how that would be. 
I, I've been to a couple of New South shows, and I there was I ain't seen anything go wrong yet. And I think it's because of Big Dave, and Big Dave doesn't wear armor like this guy. That's true. Think about it's the true. New South shows you've been to, and then think about the New South shows that you've been to that something went wrong at that was clearly security's fault. Exactly. Hey, hey. Zero. Because it's 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 managed. I'm glad you took my job over because was that your job? It it was. I. I was actually the one that had to remove the WWE every time they interfered, even after Rhino broke them in half. It was great. Well, see, <laughs> you, you you left it in good hands because since taking over, there have been no problems. I kept it warm for you so I could be on commentary. That's true. <laughs> I'm a man of many trades. Hey, many hats. So the match kicks off, and about a minute in... Chris Candido breaks his leg, a pretty brutal spot. Sonny Siaki goes for a drop kick, lands. Candido sort of twists as he falls back. His foot gets caught underneath him. It was a, a vicious injury. They pretty quickly remove him from the match, leaving it with Lance Hoyt pretty much in a handicap match. Sonny Siaki picks up the win with a top rope splash, and then... The Naturals attack Lance Hoyt after the match. Not much to talk about as far as action, but the story here is, unfortunately, this would be the last match of Chris Candido's career. Oh, wow. Unfortunately, this... this did not realize that. Unfortunately, this injury would lead to Candido dying just four days later in a hospital. And his final... What? What the fuck, Carmen? That's true. Holy (laughs) shit. Ended up developing pneumonia while in the hospital for his broken leg and passed away four days after this pay-per-view. And his final appearance on Impact, which was previously taped, would air the following Friday. So the day after his death, they aired what is officially titled his final match. But seeing as it was taped before lockdown this was his official final match holy shit i did not know that and he was only in the ring for one minute oh my god so this coming week we will be reviewing the chris candido memorial special and then here soon we will be reviewing the entirety of the chris candido memorial tag team tournament hmm Good lord. Pretty legendary career coming to an end off of something as simple as a, a botched drop kick. So well, uh pay-per-view starting off <laughs> wonderful. All right. All right. This is one of the reasons why I always get so pissed off when anybody says wrestling is fake. It ain't fake. Shit happens and it can lead to terrible things. You can say scripted, but never say fake. Never ever so say fake. Very, very dangerous business. I've seen Many brutal things happen in a ring. I saw Cabana Man Dan's teeth literally shifted in his mouth from a, can't, can't confirm. a, a brutal, brutal landing. His two front teeth were pushed backwards. And it was disgusting. Like anything can happen in a wrestling ring. It's a dangerous business, but yeah, that's uh, why we got to respect and love our performers. Exactly. And don't try this at home. Exactly. I will say 
besides uh, trying to get back on a more positive uh, note, uh, I I did enjoy this opening match for what it was. I felt Lance did good uh, for it being a two-on-one. And honestly, Sonny Siaki just keeps impressing me. Like, he is freaking great. We'll get back to Sonny Siaki in later reviews, but his time in TNA is coming to a close because... Oh, shit. New York calls, brother. Oh, God. (laughs) Big racks. (laughs) After this, we cut backstage to Dusty Rhodes with Tracy and Trinity. He declares that after what happened on the pre-show, America's Most Wanted and Team Canada will compete in a six sides of steel strap match. He then also draws the names of the unlucky entrant number one and number two into lethal lockdown, which is TNA's version of war games. First man drawn is Jeff Jarrett. Second is Sean Waltman. After this, we go to our second match of the evening. Dustin Rhodes taking on Bobby Roode. In a Prince of Darkness match. This shit was weird. (laughs) Yeah, this was quite the match. (laughs) Well, I've got so many problems with this, (laughs) but I want to hear from y'all first. Uh, First off, what is Dustin Rhodes wearing in that wrestling ring? Nuff said. Nuff said. The Lone Star Dustin Rhodes. Enough said. I had the pleasure of watching this event with two other people who I highly enjoy. And it, I mean, I feel like this was the match that we watched that where all, all three of us perked up and we watched it and just, and we were just like, what is going on here? Just every aspect of it, man. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, I mean, it was a fine match, but the stipulation is just what got me. What gets me also, is like many times during the show, they don't really explain the rules. Right. So it's like Bobby Roode gets the first fall within minutes with a dirty pin. And they're like, Bobby Roode gets the first fall. There's two more falls to go. It's like, uh, what? It, yeah. <laughs> And and like Bobby Roode's first fall, it was so quick. Like if you blink, you you would miss it. And like you could almost like say it wasn't a three or wasn't a two because it just went by so quick. I mean, for what it was, it was a a fun match. It was really physical. Dustin picks up the second fall after a top rope, just amazing top rope bulldog. And then this is what threw me off. They immediately put blindfolds on both the competitors. I loved it. While they're both while they're both still working around, dude. There's there's someone in there throwing a blindfold on. Which uh, uh, which I was I was confused to why it was called a Prince of Darkness match. Yeah. I'm like, this has nothing to do with Ozzy Osbourne. What the hell are y'all talking about? (laughs) I don't know why this happened. I was like, oh no. Yeah. Why was this called a death match? Yeah, why would they call it death? Yeah, the, the Prince of Darkness death match. Yeah, I will say that there God, was a, God bless. There was a great part before Dustin hits the top rope bulldog uh, for his uh, for his pin. Bobby Roode went to suplex him, 
and, and he like he, he and he 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 knocked him off and commentary said uh said said that was a natural reaction i was like ah a natural see what reaction you did there <laughs> <laughs> so the blindfold match portion of this kicks off it goes about how you think it would team canada is trying to tell bobby Roode where to go dustin's using the crowd to his advantage pointing out where he thinks Rude is. At one point, the referee gets knocked out, which is pretty funny watching them like <laughs> bend down and touch the ref and be like, wait a minute, my opponent wasn't wearing a ref shirt. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's Braille on it. Because you can totally feel the difference in a ref shirt and a regular shirt. You, yeah. you can, though. <laughs> There's a, there's a, there's a there's a Chris Polo. It's a jersey material versus a t-shirt material. Those are two different <laughs> things. While the referee is knocked out, Coach Demore throws a chair in. He then enters the cage with a hockey stick, which is the first of many times in this pay-per-view where I'm like, why the fuck is this even in a cage if anyone can just walk in and walk out at any point that they wish? But... <laughs> There's some confusion. Rude ends up hitting Coach Demore with the chair during the chaos. Cassidy Riley runs to ringside, reaches through the cage to wake up the ref, and Dustin hits a wicked, unprotected chair shot to Bobby Rude for the pinfall win. Oh, five, baby. It used to be better. Th- that whole last bit was. was- I know it was kind of stupid, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. Just seeing them try and find each other while blind and hearing everything. And, and especially all the, the pinfall attempts that almost happened on the ref. That was, that was great. It, it was, it, they, they did do good with the blindfold once it got to the blindfold, but I was yeah. confused by the <laughs> blindfold. <laughs> it was hilarious when they first put the hood on him. And Bobby Reed was was like getting all he, he was like he was like uh, getting all pissy with him. He was ah, what the fuck? <laughs> just because he was he just was blind all of a sudden. To be fair, they probably didn't tell him the rules either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I that's what I want to imagine. I want to imagine that they went in without knowing what they were going to do, and it was just, it was just all improv. <laughs> but that's why they had that's why they had to put the blindfolds on them while they were still stunned from the move. They're like, all right, here we go. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like New South should should, should do this. I, I would I love like to see it too. I, I would love to see a, a Prince of Darkness death match in New South. Absolutely. I would just love to see a blindfold match in any capacity. <laughs> who, who would you put in a blindfold match from New South right now? Right now, oh, that's a tough question. Tony Janela oh, God. and Dylan McCoy. Johnny Pops. Johnny Pie. Oh. <laughs> All right. I could see that. I'm not putting Johnny Pipes anywhere near my main event, so. <laughs> oh, God. Great. Now we're going to have heat with the body shop, and they're never going to be on the podcast again. You say that like it's a bad thing. I-, I thought that's what we wanted. Yeah, how was the body shop they- on the podcast? I listened to it, but Google. I but I also know, I saw clips that, that seemed Google. to inclinate. That they were with you in person. Yeah, I had to edit out much of that podcast from the way that they were treating us, honestly. Yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) 
what oh wow what was released to the public was pretty tame compared to what actually happened good lord so i want to thank new south management for arranging that thank i'll be you. sure thank to ne- i'll be sure to never sponsor another show again thank you new, <laughs> thank you new south management gm dump isn't that the only new south management oh there's a crew we we just don't talk about them publicly it's like the championship committee that's fair <laughs> After this, we are backstage with the franchise Shane Douglas. He is with the fallen angel Christopher Daniels. CD says that the title means more to him than Triple X ever did. Elix Skipper overhears this, and let's just say he's not happy with what he hears. He tells him that it will all be settled in the ring tonight. And then we go right into a four-man X-Division Xscape match. No, I didn't say that improperly. That is Xscape. In case you weren't sure which division was taking part in this match. Xscape. I will say I'm glad that they changed the rules of this match as time progressed. But what I did not remember is the fact that yet again, the rules are not explained. And it ends up being... Another one of those damn tag matches with an elimination that turns into a triple threat, which then turns into a stipulation singles match. This match could have just been first to escape wins from the beginning. It didn't need any of this. It it was a lot. I also don't understand why they booked tag matches where the guys had to stand between the cage and the ropes. Like, just make it a tornado tag, dude. It's not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> why why are the, why are these guys having to like break their legs when they when they're fucking trying to get in and out of the ring because they have two inches of space between a cage and some ropes? I agree with that on a spiritual level, my friend. But in this match, we have Michael Shane being accompanied by the lovely Trinity, the player from the Himalayas, Sanjay Dutt, Chris Sabin, and international superstar. And McDonald's commercial legend, the Shocker. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Don't less, even get me. Don't get me started. <laughs> the less to say about the tag team portion of this match, the better. But Shocker eliminates Sanjay Dutt around the ten-minute mark. At one point, Trinity climbs the cage to try to save Michael Shane. Tracy interferes to stop her, but is kicked off. Tracy twists her ankle in the process. Trinity climbs to the top anyway, hits a beautiful moonsault. Tracy then enters the ring, attacks Trinity. And again, isn't this what the cage is supposed to prevent? So out of our three cage matches so far, we've had one person leave the ring, obviously under you know, injury circumstances. But then we had two straight matches where people just open the door and walk right into the ring. (laughs) Right. But alas, she could not save Michael Shane anyway, because Chris Saban eliminates him with a cradle shock. And then roughly a minute and a half later, Chris Saban and the shocker are both at the top of the cage. Chris Saban politely waits for Shocker to let go of the cage 
and gives it a second before he drops down. So really polite for Chris Saban. The shocker picks up the win. Mm. That's tough. <laughs> Photo finished, as they like to say, but uh, the more they the replayed shocker. it, the more they replayed it, you could clearly see Chris Saban just like watching and waiting. Like, okay, now you go. All right, my turn. Like, all right, like, man. They, no, I'm going to do this a split second time. after you do. They didn't drop at the same time or anything. It was pretty rough. Yeah. Let me just say, all of this talent in the six sides of steel and the shocker leaves with the strap. Hey. McDonald's, the shocker. I'm sorry. Hey, hey you put some respect to the shocker's name. I was totally I, I, impressed with his Have you not seen the way this man eats a Big Mac? I, I, was, respect, I respect the shocker. But all love to the shocker. But I, I, that's all I'll say. All love to the shocker. See, this could have been so much different if times were different. Because just imagine if he came out to some Steel Panther. Oh, that's that's if he came out to Steel Panthers, the shocker. I feel like my entire, you know, thought process on him. My whole perception changes. I feel like he would be the most over person in my heart. That's fair. That's completely fair. And speaking of watching something brutal, we then get several replays of the Chris Candido injury, which yeah, very weird. In retrospect, is a uh, very unfortunate. But moving right along, we then have Jeff Hardy going one on one with Raven in a six sides of steel table match. KP, Hell yeah, you said. Brother. You said that this matchup would be a dream match for you. Yes. So, did it live up to the hype? Uh, it's, it's my favorite match in TNA so far. I figured 100%. it might be. And, and I have to say, uh, I appreciate that they that their rules for the tables match was, you know, someone had to be put through by their opponents, not other table match rules where if you just go through a table for any yeah. fucking means necessary you lose yeah and it's a good thing they established that role because it did come into play multiple times throughout <laughs> it did it did get uh, very confusing if you didn't pay close attention <laughs> I, to the rules. I, I, I was thinking it was the first person to the table and I was like oh well what the well, fuck that ended quick okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, both those guys had to be zooted out there too <laughs> like that that looked like that looked like an <laughs> that looked like an alcoholic dad like wrestling his angsty teenage son <laughs> holy shit I've never now Jeff that. you get back in this cage right now <laughs> Jeff look here boy I'm sick of you back talking me it's not oh, a phase mom <laughs> man dad just leave me alone it's not I a want, face. I want to make finger guns and dye my hair funny colors. <laughs> what is no son? Podcast? No son of mine's gonna make finger guns. Who keeps breaking these damn glow sticks in the bathroom? God, it's for damn my baby boy. I'm gonna get gigs one day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make it, Dad. I'll tell you what, you've made it when you meet me in the six sides of steel. Unfortunately, that is not how <laughs> this feud started. 
The feud started when Raven tried to join forces with Hardy, who very politely declined, which Raven did not <laughs> seem to take well. So the match starts. Hardy brings a couple chairs into the ring, which quickly come into play. Early on, and very early on, Raven charges at Hardy into a cornered table. Hardy evades. Raven crashes through. Not too long after this, Hardy goes for a swanton from the top of the cage. Raven moves. Hardy goes through the table. And again, you have to put your opponent through the table or else it does not count. Yeah. So at this point, holy shit. (laughs) At this point, the ring is just full of debris. Raven is pouring blood onto the mat. Raven uses a shard of a table as a weapon. They cut to the crowd, and there's a lot of cringing and covering their eyes, which is the first time that I noticed, and they did this quite a bit throughout the show. Did you notice how 90% of the time that they cut to the crowd for reaction, they always made sure to go right for the attractive girls? Yeah. They're like attract attractive girl in a tight shirt. Let's see what her reaction is. Oh, five CNA. CNA, brother. Almost as if she was a plant. Oh, oh. that's a pretty bold accusation there, KP. Oh. <laughs> TNA flubbing audience number, audience numbers and attendees. No way. And she's always you know, get her head turned because she just can't look at this. I don't like what you're saying, KP. <laughs> Those are some are you, old claims. Are you are you accusing this? This this just KP prestigious very, company. KP's very <laughs> confrontational when it comes to this podcast. <laughs> Always throwing out bold claims. <laughs> At one point, Hardy goes to the top one too many times. Raven swings the door of the cage open, crotching Hardy. But in a little bit of revenge, Hardy then kicks the door into Raven's face. He goes for a diving nothing, essentially. And Raven gets his feet up. While Hardy is down, Raven takes the time to stack four tables near the corner. They both fight to the top of the cage. Raven, unfortunately for him, gets knocked back into the stack of tables. Hardy hits a diving leg drop, crashing through Raven and the tables to secure the victory. Tight ass little spot there at the door. I love that. Easily, easily match of the night so far. I really enjoyed it. Really good match. I don't really expect anything less than these two. Hardy Swanton kind of at the beginning, just where he just jumps off the cage and lands to the table. I'm just like, yeah, that's a, that's a Hardy spot, all right. Although I kind of expected more like insane Hardy spots. You know, there was there was quite a few, but I don't know. I think I expected him to jump off the cage. You know, about four or five more times. Take a drink. Uh, take a drink every time Jeff Hardy goes to a table in this match. Oh God! <laughs> I felt so bad for the dude just watching him walk around the ring, because you can tell he is in so much pain. Yeah, he's walking around like pretty much all the lower half of his body is just stiff as hell. Yeah. Oh. One thing, uh, not just in this match, just in all the matches so far, uh, 
that we haven't talked about that I like to point out that I thought was really great. I love the overhead camera view of the cage, whatever it would have the overhead view of it. I, I thought that was a nice touch. Also, on top of that, uh, I don't. I, they, they brought it up a few times. I don't know if they brought it up yet in the actual show, but the cage had little cutouts for the cameraman to stick the camera through and get some decent shots. But that was pretty neat as well. Yeah, I always like that, and it does, you know, give an opportunity for a little bit of outside interference, you know, slipping weapons in and stuff. So, you know, I like it. But again, at in this match, no one's coming in and out of the cage. Raven just slinging the cage door open. They should really... Uh... <laughs> they they said at the start of the pay-per-view that every door in the arena was locked, and I just don't believe that. Yeah, I don't... Are you, are, yeah, are you telling we, me the doors to the bathrooms were locked? Can we talk about that for a second? I know I skipped over it at the beginning. But they opened the pay-per-view by saying that everyone inside the impact zone is locked inside. <laughs> you are locked in the impact like that, zone. That seems like a crime. I'm not really too good with the law, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's a felony. That, that sounds like a hostage situation. Yeah, and you multiply that by like 750 people and like that's a lot of felonies. You so, have yeah. a problem at the impact zone. <laughs> Definitely. Is the impact zone as dangerous as the NXT parking lot? I don't know though. Oh, I would say more. That's more true. people affected. People are saying this. I, I will say though, uh, uh, for them to be holding the hostage situation in the impact zone, uh, the I've seen high school walk-ins more secure than this cage. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask, what are, what are the statute limitations on a sixteen-year-old pay-per-view? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I've never had to worry. The statute of limitations is one of those things I've never personally had to worry about, so I never know what to say when, when it's brought up. Also, very true. Also, have never used the word statute of limitations and a 16-year-old in the same sentence, so that just oh, made me a little that, Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's very tough. true. Yeah, yeah very true. Uh, that's, not, that's, not, that's not words you want to hear together. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Those are just words I know, not words I use. <laughs> you broke me. Like we said, Dave, clusterfuck. Carmen's the only thing the keeping us on track. We can't break them. It's like this every week. Especially the late, late night ones. Yeah. You, you should have been there for the body shop. Oh, God, dude. <laughs> I I want to be a fly on the wall for the body shop anytime they're in the same room together. It was it was something, I'll say that. I'll never release that audio. <laughs> I think God. I should, but you know. After this, we get our first title defense of the evening. America's most wanted taking on Team Canada in an NWA World Tag Team Championship match. Insides of six sides of steel, but also with a leather strap stipulation. So, big brawl starts out before the match. Again, kind of rendering the cage useless, but they've all been given straps to use as weapons. Uh, bloody brawl. In the end, Petey Williams gets a face full of powder, and then a pretty entertaining spot 
hits a Canadian destroyer on Eric Young. And then America's Most Wanted hits a death sentence onto Petey Williams and picks up the one, two, three. I wasn't into the match, really, but the ending was just classic. <laughs> I loved everything uh, about that ending. It's a great finish. Uh, Pete. The yeah. Petey Williams destroyer is always a thing of beauty. Own his own partner at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, how, like I've seen like way better AMW Team Canada tag matches. I was expecting more out of this one, but you know it, it was fun for for, for what it was. Uh, it was hilarious seeing Petey Williams try and cheat and use powder, and ended up having it put in his face instead. After this, we get our second championship match of the night as former tag team partners Christopher Daniels takes on primetime Elix Skipper to retain the X Division Championship and Six Sides of Steel. This was really fun. Um, you know, they really play into the fact that these two know each other so well. A lot of reversals. At one point, Skipper hits a very scary dive from the top of the cage to the back of Daniel's head. And that was just rough. He takes out the ref at the same time. This probably not the best way to do a crossbody from the top of the cage. But after this, CD picks up the win with an angel's wings in about 15 and a half minutes. It was a fun match. I, I enjoyed it. What about you? Yeah, I thought it was a really good match. Uh, solid, solid heel work from CD. Uh, just just healing it up the whole time and good back and forth, good exhibition stuff. And, of course, Elite Skipper is always great to watch. But, yeah, my opinion, very solid match. Very good. I love the story that they were telling between these two with you know them being former tag partners and how they, they kept going uh, back and forth with each other it had a counter for each and every one of the moves and then just kind of had like a stare down and even there at the end uh, cd went for the angel's wings and it looked like skipper was gonna was gonna reverse it but then he just didn't have enough left in him and then he ended up uh you know cd ended up hitting the angel wings on him i, I will say though like uh, like i thought the whole match was great everybody looked great the only this is like one of the only things I was disappointed about. I feel like as much as they built this feud up and had this whole setup for you know Elix Skipper finally finally getting the chance to take on CD, and then they had CD beat him. I feel like this should have been Skipper's time. The X Division as a whole, I think at that time was just overflowing with talent. Like I, I would put the X Division up with with any any major roster from the time, and I'd say it holds its own. Up against any of them. You know, I'm actually kind of surprised that uh, Elon Skipper didn't do like a runner off the cage. Or if he did, I, I didn't ever, I never did see it. But I know he did that once in the other cage. I figure figured he might have tried it here. We then cut backstage with the legendary Dusty Rhodes. He once again says it's been the hottest pay-per-view in the history of the business. Which, you know, he's only said that every pay-per-view so far. A million times. He, <laughs> he runs down the lethal lockdown match and draws the name of the outlaw entering third, thus giving Team Jarrett the advantage. You know, funny how that works. Yeah, of course, uh, Jeff Jarrett would get the advantage here. Go figure that one. 
<laughs> I played that the other day in the car for Davis. Uh, uh, I was like, Davis, quick, who's this? <laughs> it's one of those songs that gets stuck in my head. The yeah, I can't. Uh, I had to find. I had to like search it on YouTube and had somebody, some random person upload yeah, it because they don't have it on like any streaming service. Because I would listen to the damn Kurt Angle TNA theme song if I could. Instrumental version, not the dumb rap version that they had. This leads us in to our lethal lockdown match for the first time ever. Of course, this match would grow and evolve later on in its run. But to go back and watch the first one was pretty fun. We have Team Nash, which, of course, Nash not in the match after his staff infection. We have Diamond Dallas Page and Sean Waltman with a mystery replacement taking on Jeff Jarrett, Monty Brown, and the Outlaw. Waltman and Jarrett both enter with garbage cans filled with weapons. They fight outside of the cage to start. They battle all through the impact zone, through the fans, as the five-minute countdown ticks away. They finally enter the cage, continue to battle, when the outlaw makes his way out holding a garbage can lid. Waltman valiantly fights back against both men and manages to hold his own for the first minute of the two-minute period. But alas, the numbers advantage is too strong. Then, entering number four, Davis's favorite wrestler, DDP, makes his way to the ring to even the odds, complete with a kendo stick. Outlaw reverses a diamond cutter and hits a low blow just as the seconds are winding down, thus leading to Monty Brown making his way as the third and final member of Team Jarrett sporting a baseball bat. The three then run roughshod over Team Nash, picking them apart with the numbers advantage. And as the clock ticks down, the crowd starts chanting, We want Sting! We want Sting. We want Sting. So TNA gives them the next best option, BG James. Hell Which, yeah. I figured that the crowd would kind of like die after hearing that. But they actually they actually were really into it. They did, cheered really loud. Did you say the next best option? Yeah. Well, I take that back because it's like, there. yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. It's Sting, Shark Boy, BG James. Mm, I'd say like Sting, Shark Boy, Ron Killings. They're telling Sting, stories. Shark brother. Boy, Curry Man, BG James. Oh, we haven't got to Curry Man yet. I'm excited for that. Very <laughs> excited. Curry Man, Curry Man is 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 peak wrestling. A legend. Wrestling peaked at Curry Man. You know. Shark Boy wants to come into New South. I wonder God. if he can, you know, Curry arrange Union, something please. to bring in a Curry Man. Please, I need Curry Man. I need <laughs> Curry Man like I need Eric Breeze. We got to complete the package. <laughs> the total package, dude. <laughs> BG James, of course, the mystery man. He takes out Jeff Jarrett and the cameraman on the outside. So I guess the helmet didn't help after all. BG goes after everybody in the ring, blasting them with the cookie sheet, including the referee. He hesitates. 
<laughs> Fuck that riff. <laughs> Fuck that riff. He turns around coming face to face with his former WWE partner, the outlaw, and he hesitates for a split second. This leads to Monty hitting a pounce on Waltman and then hitting a pounce (laughs) on James before finally being laid out by DDP. Page hits a diamond cutter for a near fall on Jarrett. Outlaw makes the save. And then Monty, with probably my move of the night, hits a double pounce on both BG James and DDP at the same time. And fellas, I don't know how exactly to call a double pounce. I feel like I need help. So Dave, we, can okay. you can you join me here? Yeah, what are we going Count on? Count three. three. One, two, three. Period. You know, I wonder. I wonder what my nephew thinks when I record this late at night and just yell "pounce" at the top of my lungs. <laughs> don't, don't, fuck, fuck them kids, dude. Fuck the rest. <laughs> fuck them kids. I love Skylar. He's very nice. So I'm gonna come in here for just a second because um, all these chair shots are not just not chair shot, but just thing shots to the head. What the fuck? Like things different shots, <laughs> different you, times. I, t- I told you it used to be better, Kyle. Different times. It just kept on and on and on and on and on. I'm like, God, stop! Yeah, there were uh, a lot of unprotected shots to the head back in the day. <laughs> it's not a safe work environment. But the match ends when Waltman reverses an electric chair from Monty Brown to roll him up for the victory. But alas, the fight continues after the three count. And the segment closes with BG James and the outlaw locking eyes through the steel cage. So a little bit of foreshadowing there. What do y'all think about the future of BG James and the outlaw and what that means for the three live crew? I'm excited to see a uh, a match between them, these two. Hopefully it happens. I, I, I'm assuming it happens, right? I mean, I'm going to assume that uh, BG James is going to turn on 3 Live Crew and join the Outlaw because that would be the most TNA thing ever. I'd, why not think of that? Yeah. I was, I was I thinking should. with my brain. My bad. I forgot this is TNA. You have, to, you have to think with not your brain. You have to feel the vibes. TNA was always just feeling the vibes with their booking decisions, dude. Yeah, man. You gotta they feel the vibes. Feel or the vibes was, of it, dude. Hmm, what did this company do? Let's just do that. Yeah, so see, oh, they, man, they, they, they put their own spin on things. Yeah, dude. Yeah, they changed the names. And the rules of the matches. Yeah, I know. How creative that the uh, members of the New Age Outlaw, one of their new names is The Outlaw. Wonderful huh. name. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a second. You are not going to sit here and tell me this company did not do creative things when we had a two out of three falls match in a steel cage where the last fall was a blindfold match, damn it. Yeah, this tell is... Tell me this that's is not creativity. Greatest company in the world. There's a such thing as being too creative. Oh, oh they, no. don't, they don't ever think outside the box. They just copy other people. 
They give you outside the box and you shit on it because you you like nothing. Ultimate X match. Reverse Battle Royal. We got the King of the Mountain match. I'm a huge fan of the Reverse Battle Royal. (laughs) That is probably You would be, Dave. You would be. That is my favorite, like, just off-the-wall match stipulation. Reverse Battle Royal, dude. We got to get one of those at New South. Oh, please. Oh, please. The match was all right, but I, I felt like the ending was really anticlimactic. I hated how it ended with Sean Walkman just reversing a move and getting a, a roll-up pin. Yeah, roll-up inside a steel cage. Like, seriously? Uh, like, what the fuck? Creativity. Yeah. TNA. Yeah, it is creative. <laughs> After this, we finally go into our main event of the evening as AJ Styles takes on the Monster Abyss in a Six Sides of Steel cage match to crown the new number one contender for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Even though this is like the third or fourth number one contenders match Abyss has been in, but we will not discuss that. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. I'll tell you, this match blew my mind. Oh, I, I see what say, you did there. We were about to have words. Prescott, I was going to finish your sentence and say the roof off the impact zone. Which then, then it was called not locked, not locked down because the roof is gone. Unlocked yeah. down. Unlocked down. Yeah, imagine how different this pay per view would be if they called it locked up instead. Locked up. I feel like just new Jack in every match. <laughs> Hell yeah. I I've been, a have been a huge proponent of the wasted generation wrestling, a handicap match against new Jack and a real life gun. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not just, sure we can put that on IWTV. You can't, but, but I want it to happen. Could I just want to see, see. Could probably happen at top shelf though. Yeah, dude. Oh no. We, we can't allow that to happen. Now, it could if happen, it was it could New happen Jack, in the parking lot of time. It's like New Jack and a steel chain and like a rusty fork. I feel like we could do it. No, no, no. See, see, the part that truly interests me is the live gun part. <laughs> we we'll have to talk to Sean Christopher's management. Yeah, I'll 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 have a I'll have BDSM higher ups get in touch with uh wasted gen higher ups. Or if I find how, Sean how does that work? Is, home, it, is it like I'll a wasted gin LLC or are yeah, they just like they a all, startup company or yeah, they all got their stimuluses. They all put it into an LLC. I'll talk. If I find Sean Campbell in my vents, I'll talk to him. Could we at least put blanks in the live gun? I guess it wouldn't no, be a live gun. No, then. no, we're not shooting blanks. What do you think we are? The body shop. We're shoot shooting. This is a shoot gun. Uh, Davis, it, it's New Jack, okay? It's not gonna be blanks. New Jack's not fucking around, dude. We give him two hundred dollars and a gun and say, "Hey, go out there and be New Jack." <laughs> and New South will be shut down. <laughs> no, this doesn't have to happen in New South. Dude. Oh, okay. You're, miss- okay. you're missing it's been the a point. Good run. I'm paying New Jack two hundred dollars just to go just to go meet him somewhere. Oh, this is gonna happen at the okay. Big Dave backyard. <laughs> Bash. I can't reveal. I can. I can't talk about the Big Dave backyard bash, and I cannot reveal decisions that may or may not be being made about the Big Dave alleged barnyard backyard bash, allegedly. Down for it. 
Which one yes. has New Jack? Uh, allegedly. <laughs> gotcha. God, I would love that. I, I can't gotcha. because it's at my home. <laughs> God, I hope New Jack does not listen to this podcast. You know, I have a feeling that he doesn't. I, I think New he Jack. does. I don't know. New New Jack, if you're listening, I love I'm going to start tagging him in every podcast. Oh, God, <laughs> Kyle, no. Kyle, no. He's on a tirade right now. He's been We've, inviting white people to eat ice cream with him. We've already gotten NASCAR legends and shark people retweeting our stuff. So, who's the I NASCAR like, legend? How dare you ask that, Dave? Is it you Kyle, know, is, is it Kyle not, Prescott? You know, listen to our podcast. Yeah. This was a trick to see if you really did listen to our podcast. Jeff Hammond. Jeff Hammond, the legend himself. I don't know who that is. Who has like one of the best. uh, He's undefeated in TNA, brother. One of the best elbow drops ever. NASCAR drivers are way more impressive than wrestlers. I'm sorry. It's just true. I'd like you like to see you say that to Toby Keith, who has an excellent delayed suplex. Hey, fuck Toby <laughs> Keith, okay? A big hey, fuck you to Toby. He'll Keith. put a boot in your ass, Dave. Hey, and I'll fucking I'll fucking rip it off at the knee, Carmen. Fuck <laughs> Toby Keith. I'll how, clench my. How hard off. are you clenching? <laughs> I'm clenching so fucking hard that I'm ripping his his fucking leg off at the knee, dude. It's fuck Toby Keith till the day I die. Who has that much rectal strength? Me. God damn. So what you're saying is we're going to book you and New Jack versus Toby Keith and Jeff Hammond in a That's what it sounds. Yeah, two like. out of three, you know, two out of three falls Prince of Darkness death match. Prince of Darkness death match inside a six-sided ring with a steel cage. Except New Jack has to stand between the ropes and the cage and I'm not tagging him in. <laughs> I'm not tagging him in for the whole match. That's fine. He'll tag himself in. He'll have to fucking shoot me, dude. Uh, you, you leave him on the you, cage. You probably shouldn't say that. He will. I know. New Jack, <laughs> if you're listening, don't shoot me. <laughs> Why don't we just get into the main event? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back on track. So, <laughs> the match starts off hot. As Abyss is making his entrance, AJ dives through the cage door and onto Abyss. He then hits a springboard Hurricane Rana off of one of the ringside guardrails. Again, we have another match that goes outside the ring. Abyss tries to launch AJ into the guardrail, but AJ pulls off some pretty wicked parkour moves, if you ask me. Parkour. He bounces <laughs> he bounces off the guardrail onto a secondary wall, turns around, and then hits a phenomenal forearm onto Abyss, leaping over the fans. So, sick parkour, bro. Parkour. The two brawl through the fans and up the bleachers. They then make their way to ringside. Abyss slams the door into AJ's head, busting him wide open, blood pouring everywhere. The two finally enter the cage, and Abyss takes the early advantage, using his chain as a weapon, wrapping it around the throat of AJ, as well as wrapping it around the top turnbuckle, which I thought was a really unique move. I enjoyed it a lot. AJ kicks out of a black hole slam, which really surprised me. I don't remember a lot of people doing that back then. Abyss is enraged and pours a pile of thumbtacks 
and attempts to slam AJ in them. AJ reverses and then hits a Styles Clash into the thumbtacks. And yet somehow this still isn't enough. Abyss kicks out at two. So AJ goes to the top of the cage and in a, a very creative spot, Abyss just picks up the referee and throws him into the cage to knock AJ down. And AJ takes a gnarly bump, ribs first into the top of the cage. Like, I almost lost my breath watching this. I couldn't imagine just that much weight and the velocity he was coming down, crashing down on his ribs. This cannot feel good. AJ Styles bumped like a maniac for his entire TNA run. Yeah, he did. It's insane the stuff that he would do back then. Which I'm glad he's in a position now where he can kind of take it a little easier on his body and make probably a lot more money. So, good uh, on no, him. come he's on, come on. You're telling me a sold out impact zone isn't making him more money than he makes now? I plead the fifth. <laughs> Abyss chases AJ to the top of the cage and uses his chain to hang him over the side. Abyss then tries to sling him over the top, but AJ bites the fingers. He hits an avalanche sunset flip powerbomb into the tax to pick up the victory. And AJ Styles is your new number one contender and will challenge Jeff Jarrett at next month's hard justice. What do y'all think about the match? KP? That match was fucking amazing. Uh, it started out uh, with holy shit moment with Styles doing uh, just just saying fuck it I'm not gonna wait until Abyss gets in here and just <laughs> jumps out of the cage into, into Abyss. Uh, it took him a while to get into the ring, but uh, I enjoyed seeing him fight in the in the crowd. Uh, that uh, last spot though, that sunset flip powerbomb into the tax that was that was fucking awesome. I loved it though. It was this this, this match was. Just you know, chef's kiss to finish off this pay per view. It 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 was everything I wanted it to be when I saw that it was an AJ Styles versus Abyss match. Like I remember, a lot of this is nostalgic to me because like I was a kid growing up watching this. Like oh five, I was five years old. You know, like the only experience I had with wrestling around that time was watching the old WCW tapes with my brother. So any wrestling, it was probably even later that I was watching TNA and seeing Abyss. So still, it's like when you, when you know you're seeing an abyss match, you know you're going to get the thumbtacks and all the crazy weapons and stuff. You know when you see AJ Styles, you're going to get that high flying technicality. And but they mixed it so well together in that match that it was it was just flawless in my mind. Yeah, overall it was just a fantastic match. Uh, there was one part that uh, I don't think anyone mentioned, but like right before they get in the cage, there's one spot where Styles like kind of like baseball slides under the guardrail and I'm like the fuck and then he of course he jumps back out and they get in the cage and back and forth back and forth and be yeah just a fantastic match top to bottom I agree an excellent way to end the show for an overall fun pay-per-view you know not one without its faults but what are y'all's initial thoughts coming out of lockdown 2005 big Dave let's start with you uh, I 
I enjoyed the show. Uh, there weren't too many matches that I looked back on where I thought, oh, I just straight up did not enjoy seeing that. You know what I mean? Every every match had its high spots. There was there's nothing that you can just just straight up shit on. Uh, I'm 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 gonna say that that there was a there was a true dark moment for me when I found out that Chris Candido died four days after this show was taped. Like that 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 was a that was a derailing moment for me at first, but. I think that all the storylines built well that they needed to build. Uh, everything got pushed that needed to get pushed. So, KP, what did you think? How do you feel coming out of it? Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this show from start to finish. Uh, besides a few finishes uh, I didn't quite agree with, uh, I can't really, I don't really have anything else to complain about in this. Uh, and uh, I will say, like you said, it was. Uh, kind of disheartening to learn that Candido died uh, after this pay per view, but uh, but but besides that, overall, really enjoyed it. Yeah, and all that. I mean, I I enjoyed the show. I'm kind of starting to feel like I should probably like. I mean, I know I can't for the podcast, but like skip like the first thirty minutes because it's usually kind of eh. But then nine times out of ten, these shows get really good, have some re- really great matches and. Usually solid main events, but yeah, overall, good show. Well, y'all, that leads us into my favorite time of the week. We've sort of held off on the fan questions the last few weeks leading in, only because we knew this one would be extra special, and boy, did y'all deliver. We've got quite a few questions today for this podcast. Thanks to the inclusion of Big Dave, a lot of people want to hear his thoughts and opinions on things. So our first Uh, question comes from Sean Christopher, (laughs) who asks, how the fuck did Shocker beat Chris Saban, Sanjay Dutt, and Michael Shane on this pay-per-view? Sean Christopher, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Ask McDonald's. Yeah, it's the McDonald's thing. I'm telling you, that's all they talk about is the damn Big Mac commercial. Our next question comes from Christy Nation. I set out and I told everyone, you know, these don't have to be wrestling related questions. Obviously, it would be beneficial if it was TNA related. It doesn't have to be. So Christy Nation asks, please name a perfect album from start to finish. Hybrid theory is off limits because we already know it's a masterpiece. Big Dave. I, I thought about this. I saw she asked this. I was trying to keep up with the question so I wouldn't be stumped by any of them. But I, when I thought about it, I, I instinctively went to like what artists I like it, it right now, which right now I've been listening to a lot of MF Doom. So right now I think I think a perfect album that I could come up with right off the top of my head is Doomsday. Okay, okay. KP? I'm going to say off the top of my head, Architects, All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us. Davis? Hysteria by Def Leppard. Every song, er, every song... If you say if you ask somebody, hey, name me a Def Leppard song. Nine times out of ten is gonna be a song of hysteria. You are not wrong whatsoever. 
for me, since hybrid theory is off the board, I'm going to go with an album that turns 18 years old on the day that we record this. And that is Meteora. I mean, come on. Perfect album. And if I'm, I'm old, if I am not allowed to choose Lincoln Park, which for one, I hate you if you say that I'm not allowed to choose Lincoln Park, because obviously my favorite band of all time. But if I had to choose another perfect album from a non Lincoln Park band, I would have to go with Nightmare from Avenged Sevenfold. I feel like every song on that album, start to finish, is damn good. Next up, we have another question from Christy Nation, who asks, <laughs> well, it's rather a statement, I should say. She says, I would like to know the panel's thoughts on American Hero and Inspiration, Helen Keller. Dave, I think this one's more aimed towards no, you. I need someone else to go first. I need to read the room. I, for one, think, you know, she's truly an inspiration if you sit down and you read her story like the life that she lived and all of her hardships and trials and tribulations and what she overcame i feel like helen keller is you know one of the greatest figures in american history what about now, you, carmen Dave? carmen let me just stop you right there helen keller by far the biggest fraud in American history, undeniably so. Listen, you're telling me, I mean, the, the, I don't understand the myths that is Helen Keller. Uh, here's my thing. I'm not saying she's fake. I firmly believe Helen Keller, woman that existed in this world that was born, she, 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 was, she was alive. She was deaf and blind. I don't think she did any of the shit that history says she did. You're telling me a woman or a, a child that lost sight and hearing at the young age of whatever it was. I'm not going to lie. I haven't done a ton of research into this. This is just a this is a loose thing I got going, but it makes so much sense to me that I know I'm right. And you can't tell me otherwise at a very young age. Like I, I want to say, but I want to say pre two, both of them are gone for Helen Keller. I might be wrong. I could be right. Who knows? I feel like I'm right. I've done enough research to know that. She loses sight and hearing, which is really, which in my mind is before, before, before perception is a thing. You can't, you can't retain knowledge like in a, in a way that, that, that can be, that can be perceived and, and, and put back out. You, like, you can't learn anything that's, that's sustainable at that age. Like all you know is like, Shit, eat. I don't. Do they still breastfeed it too? Maybe you know titty. I don't know, man. What is the breastfeeding age? Who knows? Either way, now you're telling me they taught her to talk by slapping an apple in her hand and putting her hand up to some woman's throat and hear it and like feeling her say apple. That doesn't make sense. She was never able to understand anything. I, I, and here's here's my problem too. I haven't understood why they would make up the Helen Keller story. That's one thing I'm really struggling with right now is like, if Helen Keller is a fraud, why is she a fraud? What narrative is, is, is the government pushing by forcing Helen Keller down our throats? 
I, I need Dave to go on Chris Jericho's podcast and talk about this with him. I can, Jericho, I can make those arrangements. Chris Jericho, this is my first ever podcast looking. I'm letting you know right now. I'm available only to talk about Helen Keller. I will not talk to you about anything else except Helen Keller. That is the only thing I'm open to talking about. I'll be glad to today I learned, for you, Dave. Today I learned the Helen Keller conspiracy is as big as the Flat Earth uh, conspiracy. But what is the government hiding? Why been, they listen, listen, what is the, the narrative? Thing, I just have so many Keller questions now. now. The Helen Keller thing now is like is like the hip new thing for like the kids to be into. I've been on this for like three years. Like three years ago, I was probably high in the shower. So and I was like, wow, this just doesn't make sense. So you're saying Helen Keller was a fraud before it was a cool? Yeah, dude. I'm I'm hip on Helen Keller. <laughs> and how so, do you feel about birds? Are they uh, real? Not, not real. Ooh. Not, not real. real? Not real. Hmm. So I ca- I kind of want to like Are we living know- in a simulation? So to kind of not counteract what you're saying, Dave, but to maybe shed some light. I don't I don't, I don't fucking know. But I I kind of like a blind joke. You said shed some light. I'm, I'm open to any and all Helen Keller knowledge, like anything or any de- any any deaf blind knowledge. Well, a, a, as a visually impaired person myself, I kind of would believe that if the Helen Keller story is all made up, it would be kind of like to give people like me hope that we can still do stuff despite not being able to see or somebody that can't hear. I mean, that, that's that's my two cents. I've never looked at her as like, oh, a blind icon for us all. I've never thought of her that way. It's just like, whatever to some bitch. But I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's, that's right. I view her the same way. Just some bitch. Just some fake bitch. Some broad ass bitch. You're telling me she taught university classes? They say she flew a plane, Davis! An airplane! I can't... I, I, I can't don't remember fly, these. I can't fly an airplane or drive a car. And I can see. Not I've, well, mind you. I've never heard that she flew an airplane. I've never heard that ever. No, that's a thing. Look it up, please. Google. Someone Google it right now, because that is a thing. I'll have to you know, figure I'll have, this. I'll have my people get on that. But let's... Let's go to our next question, which I feel like you may be just as fired up on. You know, early you were asking how our time with the body shop went. Our next question comes from the grease monkey himself, who asks, Big Dave, why are you such a bitch? Grease monkey, let me tell you something. You ever come around here asking a stupid ass fucking question like that again i'm gonna shove that wrench so far down your throat i'm gonna be able to tighten your asshole shut so why don't you delete your fucking account and never fucking speak to me again shit well then um well let's see if we can uh lighten the mood uh charity asks can Big Dave explain God? For those that believe in God, 
I think God is a uh, is the sky daddy, the one above them who will who will rain down ever loving blessings upon them whenever they get down on their knees and pray for that sweet sky cream. Uh, so me, I mean, I, I'm not a God guy. I don't know if that's obvious or not. Big Dave, not a God guy. Me and God, if he's up there, hey, we'll see. See you in heaven, big guy. Dave, you're a Twitter celebrity. We get a lot of questions for you. So I have a question myself, if you would indulge me, and maybe we can go around the classroom and ask everyone. Dave, if Twitter was around and prevalent in the year 2005, who on the TNA roster do you think would be a must-follow? Oh, man. Oh, that's a good question. Thanks. I wrote it myself. Okay, hold on. All right, yes. This is perfect. I'm going to say Kevin Nash because Kevin Nash is a great Twitter follow in 2021. So I'm going to take the cop-out answer and say Kevin Nash. I don't know if 2005 Kevin Nash is calling people super crackers, though. That's like the funniest thing about 2021 Kevin Nash is that he calls white people super crackers. I'm going to open it up to the floor now. Who would be a good Twitter follow in 2005? Jeff Jarrett. Slap nuts. You talk about how he's the best and the champion and nobody can beat him. And he didn't use a guitar, man. It never used a guitar. The lawyer has proof a guitar was never used. He wouldn't do that. I'd say Raven, just for the uh, all the uh, the quotes and just great the great great imagery he would use in tweets. Raven Over. for sure. Raven for sure <laughs> tweets sad song lyrics. Raven I feel is, like that's true. Is emo kid. <laughs> well, we did go through his rap phase oh, watching these shows, so. Oh, good. Or he would do his own original poetry every week. So that's true. That was fun. (laughs) You know, I was thinking about this question myself. So, you know, you've got these Twitter accounts nowadays, like MJF Scarf and what have you. Give me a Twitter account that is the back of Dusty Rhodes' pickup truck. Give me at Dusty's office. I want to know all the juicy details about what happens in the back of that truck. You know, give me some insight onto some of the things happening with Tracy and Trinity. Maybe who's visiting the office. Maybe Dustin comes by and they have a father son talk. I don't know, but I feel like that would be a quality Twitter follow back in 2005. So Dusty's truck is my answer. I'd have to agree with that. And shout out to the inanimate wrestling brigade who I'm an honorary member of and part of their super secret Twitter group chat. So with that, it's time to give this show our ratings. So Dave, I know you've listened to the show before was TNA lockdown 2005 T in amazing T in a T in eh. T N acceptable or T N 
awful. I I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a, a crisp TNA because it it's one of those shows like if someone if someone asks me if I want to watch Lockdown 05, like I'm not gonna lose my mind about it, but I will be like, oh yeah, man, that might be a cool show to watch right now. That's actually how me asking you to do the pod came about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Hey. <laughs> Just feeling the vibes, brother. Feeling the vibes, dude. You want me to talk? I'll talk. I, you need a talker? I'm your guy. Davis, how would you rate Lockdown 2005? Probably going to say a TNA. Like, wasn't the best show? Wasn't the worst show. Had some high moments. Had some low moments. Had some what the fuck. But all in all, and I enjoyed it. KP? Okay. Y'all ready for the real shocker? Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this pay-per-view. Uh, honestly, liked every match. Uh, disagreed with some finches here and there, but, you know, I can look past that. And I am going to give it my second TN Amazing. Wow. I hope Johnny Pops doesn't hear you say that. Applause for TNA Lockdown 2005. Joining the very small and illustrious group of TN Amazing shows. I, for one, will not be placing it in that category. However... (laughs) <laughs> it was a great show from top to bottom but overall there were quite a few logical issues and some loopholes that held it back from being you know a 5 out of 5 show so I'm going to go with TNA but with that being said it's time to send the folks home happy Big Dave where can we find you on Twitter you can find me on Twitter at the newly refined Big Dave PW. Now, what's what's up with that? No longer stoned cold Big David. Yeah, I know it was it was stoned cold David. Uh, I decided to I decided to change it because you decided to change it like three days after Haas twenty twenty one, where I promoted your Twitter handle live on pay per view. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> It could be considered questionable. I probably could have let my my username that had been my username for like two years previously ride for like a month after Hots at least. Uh, Just I didn't think really of the think... Twitter followers. You could have know, man. exploded. It's a very TNA move on you, Dave. I know, man. I really, I really, I really TNA'd myself. Hear me out. We call you the outlaw. Hey, you could do it. You can call me whatever you want as long as you're paying me. Or the hangman. Call me what you want. You got friends in dark places. As long as you're sliding me some payment. You want to call me a slut, Carmen? $50. I'll keep that in mind, Big Dave. (laughs) Is there anything coming up in your world that you would like to promote? Hey, this Sunday. I don't know when this this episode drops. Uh, It could be after this Sunday. It'll be after. uh, That's okay, because they can watch it on IWTV. Hey, check it out on IWTV. You'll uh, you'll get to see a fire ass six man tag, Cordage, Effie, Shug D, Donnie Janella gonna get the furniture factory rocking. 
I will also be a rocking. I plan to drink uh, anywhere between one to nine, count them, one to nine White Claws that evening. Uh, you might see me in the audience being a goof. Who knows? KP, what about you? Where can the fine folks at home find you, and what do you have coming up this week? You can find me on Twitter at Kyle S. Prescott. And coming up this week, uh, I also will be joining Big Dave Sunday at the Furniture Factory for New South uh, Top Shelf Show. Looking forward to that. Davis? Yeah, like always, you can find me on Twitter at Kyrick3289. That's K-Y-R-I-C-3289. You can also find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Kyrick, where we're going through Final Fantasy X and having a blast. As for me, you can find me at Carmen M. Childers. Make sure you follow at New South underscore PW. Like was mentioned before, this Sunday, as of this recording, will be our return to Furniture Factory Bar and Grill in Huntsville, Alabama. Our 19 and up bar shows. You gotta love them. This Sunday, we will have Impact Wrestling's Jordan Grace, as well as appearances from Alley Cat and the illustrious, wonderful friend of the pod, Effie. I will be a ring announcing on top of commentary. So I've got a pretty busy night, but I will still be there getting the scoops from all your favorite talent about their TNA dream matches, their favorite TNA moments, and whatever questions you would like us to ask them. So with that being said, Dave, we have a bit of a tradition here, and that is to send the folks home. We let our guest close the show. So, Dave, the floor is yours. Whatever you want to say, how would you like to end total nonstop analysis? Oh, this is this is major. I feel like I've received a platform that I should not have. But, uh, Whoever whoever is listening, I want you to remember, if you take one thing away from anything you've learned today, this week, this month, the past six months, this year, just know, Big Dave loves you, and Helen Keller is a fraud. <laughs> <laughs>